disquiet on the Western Front. Oh wait. Sensing old growth forest is about the survival of our culture. Sensing old growth forest is about the survival of our culture. Sensing old growth forest is about the survival of our culture. So let's come back to the initial point. What is deforestation? Forests aren't simply collections of trees. They're complex systems with hubs and networks that overlap and connect trees and allow them to communicate. The people that are fighting on the ground, who are barricading the roads, who are digging trenches, who are refusing to let the police in, they're the ones that are winning the fight. So let's come back to the initial point. They want to mow and mow and mow, and there is no end. And the world is like there is no more control. Uh, what people need is more love and understand each other. I mean, this is not just you know right versus left. This is kind of an attack on the whole concept of truth. In the end, yes, physics doesn't care. Yeah, what your skin is, it just does what it does. And also, no matter how rich you are, you have to breathe. Were we under surveillance? Were we under surveillance? Were we under surveillance at the time of the bombing? And writes a timber harvest plan. Who did they submit it to themselves? And that is a conflict of interest. You've used a number of incendiary words. Conflict of interest. What people need is more love. To speak to trees, first, you must recognize the spirit of the tree within you. It's just learning how to take care of the land and. If you were to go invent a carbon capture machine, you couldn't invent a better machine than a tree. You are listening to Disquiet on the Western Front, Voices of the Forest Resistance, Conversations to Cool a Planet on Fire. This is Chad Swimmer, coming at you from the unceded land of the northern Pomo and Coast Yuki. Thank you for tuning in. Tonight, I have a very different show for you. It does definitely feel like we are in a planet on fire with the Russian invasion of Ukraine and with Antarctica having a temperature recorded 70 degrees above normal just last week. I'm not going to be talking about direct activism per se or any one particular event so much as just trying to make a little more sense of the world and do it in a way that that makes a little more sense to myself. Tonight's show will be a mix of voices, poetry, sounds, and thoughts about how we humans relate to the natural world and to the world around us. I'm going to start off with a little bit of the beautiful sound of the rain that's falling outside my house right now and the Pacific chorus frogs that were serenading my sleep last night.
Before we get too deep into the woods, I'm going to read two poems that come to us from modern Yiddish poetry. Yiddish is the language of my own immigrant grandparents, the language I should speak. Yiddish is another dying language, unfortunately. This book, Modern Yiddish Poetry, came to me from my forefathers. It was published in 1927, so modern is all a matter of speaking. And this is a tribute to Russia and a tribute to Ukraine, remembering that the people of Russia are not Vladimir Putin. Russia, in your endless spaces, there cries an infinite longing. O land of tatters and dreams, how severe your punishment. Your disaster lies mutely frozen in sun rays and dazzling snow. O land of wolves and nightingales, how silent you are. You entear yourself with millions of thatched roofs, snow blanketed and frost enchained. O land of martyrs and criminals, are you alive or not? On the way to the drilling field, 300 men in rank and file, one step, one pace. Polished weapons glisten in the morning sun. The snow crunches, the frost forces tears, the breath congeals. The officers command, sing. From 200 throats, mighty, it rings forth as if from one. Sad am I, gloomy, evening as well as morning. Hey! My young heart is devoured by aches and worries. Hey! My delight, my joy, tell me, where are you now? Hey! Perching on a black willow tree. Hey! Wild winds blow over fields and forests. Hey! In my young heart, they are sowing sadness. Hey! Mother mine, mother, pity the rose that withers. Hey! Pity still more, the sun that rots on foreign soil. Hey! O oh, stinging grief of Ukrainian songs, thou art beautiful and bitter as beads of water elder in the fall. Three hundred men in rank and file, one step, one pace. Hey! How the blood impetuously courses in my veins, and yet I well know that this very minute you are bitterly crying for me, mother, and I feel that on your dear head another hair is turning silver. Hey! And I see how this very minute on a Caucasian mountain a sister of yours is bidding her blonde son farewell. She presses him to her breast and kisses his forehead, at which muzzles from three hundred rifles will aim. Hey! And I see how this very minute under the flaming sun a mother sheds salt tears on the raven head of her only son, you distant dear brother and I am to be your murderer. Translated from the Yiddish in 1925. No less relevant today.
was a song in Yiddish from the Ukraine, recorded nearly a hundred years ago, Goodbye Odessa. The chorus, translated from Yiddish, is Oh Odessa, Goodbye Odessa, I will miss you so much, I will never forget you, farewell my friends, let's shout together, Odessa, Mama, I love you so much. Goodbye Odessa, a 100-year-old Ukrainian Jewish folk song sung in Middle Yiddish, the language of my Jewish forefathers who immigrated from the area near the Polish and Ukrainian border 120 years ago. Ravens, rain, and a California red-legged frog chorus in the Redwood Forest. Oh. 
Activist Silver Fox on guitar and musing. So on three occasions we were out there and all of them, two of them particularly, were moon bright because they were close to full moon. So we're out in the forest, being with the forest, sleeping in the forest, and there is this incredible otherworldly light that is also worldly. It's this wonderful almost crepuscular light that gets you very much in tune with what I said before about being in your body and it's so I'm a pretty light sleeper and so I had a lot of opportunity to see how the light moves through the trees and how it affected me and at first I was starting to anthropomorphize this in the sense that this light is like tree spirit light and the trees know we're out there to save them and protect them. And so as I thought about this and the way the light moved through the trees and the branches took on different casts through the night and into the morning, it put me in touch with my being there. And so even if the trees, in one sense, didn't know I was there, I knew I was there because I was so much in my body. And so I felt that it was forest bathing but also moonbathing. And so the first night is uh, the eve of the day, the 16th of June, that we stopped the logging in Casper. Uh, that was at the Devil's Gate, so-called 666. But that's what really struck me about this light and what it might represent in terms of my own consciousness, whether or not it was the trees acknowledging our presence there. I still like to think they did, but even if they didn't, it's, it's again the idea of beingness, being with, being there.
Silver Fox, reading from Rebecca Solnit, A Field Guide to Getting Lost. I was trained by an outdoorsman who insisted you should always carry rain gear, water, and other supplies on the least excursion, that you should be prepared to be out for any amount of time since plans go astray and the one certain thing about weather is that it changes. My skills are not notable, but I never seem to do more than flirt with getting lost on streets and trails and highways and sometimes cross-country, touching the edge of the unknown that sharpens the senses. I love going out of my way beyond what I know and finding my way back a few extra miles by another trail with a compass that argues with a map and strangers' contrary anecdotal directions. Night alone in motels in remote western towns where I know no one and no one I know knows where I am. Nights with the strange paintings and floral spreads and cable television that furnish a reprieve from my own biography, when in Benjamin's terms I have lost myself, though I know where I am. Moments when I say to myself, as feet or a car clear a crest or round a bend, I have never seen this place before. Times when some architectural detail or vista that has escaped me in these many years says to me that I never did know where I was, even when I was home. Stories that make the familiar strange again, like those that reveal the lost landscapes, lost cemeteries, lost species around my home. Conversations that make everything around them disappear. Dreams that I forget until I realize they have colored everything I felt and did that day. Getting lost like that seems like the beginning of finding your way or finding another way, though there are other ways of being lost. You are listening to Disquiet on the Western Front on KZUAX and Z, streamable online at kzuax.org. It's 21 minutes after midnight. Good morning, trees. What did you say to the trees? <laughs> I said good morning to the trees. Good morning, trees. Because they're all redwood trees and they're beautiful. Yeah, but and wait a minute. What about the other beautiful trees? Well, I'm biased. <laughs> I did say good morning to all the trees. I didn't say just good morning to the trees. It's the redwoods. Did they um, say good morning back to you? Yes, they started it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what is this telephone doing here in the middle of a redwood forest? I saw a program. It was probably a Steve Hartman program of a, of a phone down in a forest nailed to a tree. And people found it and made calls to loved ones who had passed on. Wow. Can I make a call? Sure, please. Hello, Sally? Sally, are you there? 
you've got to come here and see this. You would love this place. You would love this place. You've never seen trees like this before. You've never been anywhere like this before. We're right next to a, a beautiful little creek. And ferns and the sun coming in. I love you, Sally. I said, one of the thing, one of the people that I wanted to call was my mother. She loved turquoise, and unfortunately, this phone turned out to be turquoise. But I have a lot I'd like to say to her, a lot. I wish this was a photo phone so she could see where I ended up. She would have been terrified here. That's the amazing thing. She would have been scared to death out here in the forest with all the critters roaming around. <laughs> And you know what the most dangerous thing out here is, right? The person. Yeah. <laughs> Any person is right. Those bipeds. <laughs> the bipedal people. Tell me a little more about this phone, please. Well, this is my cathedral, these trees. And so it seemed to me that if people go in and to churches and light candles for people that they love, that a good place to to communicate with somebody who's passed on would be right here in this this church, this cathedral. Mm -hmm. So there's the phone. <laughs> and you have something you wanted to read to us. Oh. If I Should Go is the name of the poem by Joyce Grenfield. If I should die before the rest of you, break not a flower nor inscribe a stone, nor when I'm gone speak in a Sunday voice, but be the us your usual selves that I have known. Weep if you must, parting is hell, but life goes on, so sing as well. Hey, Spot. Hoo, hoo! It's me, Red, your tree. Oh, hi, Spot. How you doing? Not great. See the blue line on my trunk? Oh, no! I thought you were protected! Nah, they call me second growth. I don't have any protections. They want my bored feet, but they're calling it fire safety. You? Mr. Fire Resistant? Don't they know about your potential for carbon storage? I was hoping to sequester 250 tons in my lifetime. That's way more than other trees, not to brag. Most of it will release back into the atmosphere if they cut. And what about the children? I've got a full nest in your canopy. 
Maybe you can protest, spot, fly around, make some noise. Show them you're doing a tree sit. They might pay attention since you made the endangered list. Do you think they'll listen? If they don't, we're all dead. That was an update of Liz Stover's One Minute Play, Demonstration Forest, originally broadcast last year on the Mendocino Theater Company's One Minute Theater, original super short radio plays on KZYX, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 8 p.m. to 8.02 p.m. You are listening to Disquiet on the Western Front. When I was eight, we left our home in Southern California to visit friends in the north. We visited Big Basin Redwood State Park for a full day, and the impression on my soul was permanent. Every time I'm in the presence of old growth, I enter its sanctuary, quiet, cool, and safe, divine presence. Here's a quote by Robin Wall Kimmerer. If citizenship is a matter of shared beliefs, then I believe in the democracy of species. If citizenship means an oath of loyalty to a leader, then I choose the leader of the trees. If good citizens agree to uphold the laws of the nation, then I choose the natural law, the law of reciprocity, of regeneration, of natural flourishing. So there's a lot of old growth that's small, two feet or so, you make three feet, uh, and uh, it's scattered. So uh, it was easy to not, if you wanted to, to overlook that it was old growth. And well, wait, forgive me for being naive, but from just a layperson's standpoint, what does it matter? Why do we need to, to protect it and keep it if it's small? Well, I don't think that... <laughs> I guess you're pulling my leg. <laughs> I don't think that size matters that much. <laughs> so so uh, there are a lot of values that we don't even understand about old growth, particularly since the tops are so high mm-hmm. in air. And there's, there's all this stuff that we've discovered that develops over time in the tops of those old growths. And whatever refugia we have of that uh, biology is really important to protect. Yeah.
Well, it was a pretty amazing night. It was a very small group of us, respectful of the forest and the critters. Full moon. It was beautiful. Didn't need flashlights. We felt very honored and actually synchronistic, I guess would be a good word, because well, the first thing when we're out, uh, an owl, we were out calling them, and um, the owl came in. So it was the first of them, and it was really exciting. So that was pretty cool. We felt like maybe we had been there to help us. So um, full moon. Uh, we were out with the biologist. He works uh, for Cal Fire. And we were out in Jackson State Forest. Oh, <laughs> it was so amazing. It was just beautiful because I've heard a lot of owls before, but to have it answering back to us and you could hear it from quite a far ways off coming closer and closer and closer and, and we were all just in suspense and and just excitement. And I think that uh, the three of us that were out there that night were so excited when it finally called and came in close. We were just all holding on to each other going, woo! <laughs> Yay! We had found the, the male, and the next day he found the female, so there is a pair, and that's really good. Oh, that was an experience that it's very difficult to explain the whole feeling of it, but it's um, I've been in trees and around trees all my life, building tree forts and as a kid, and it was amazing, but to be in this very sacred, special tree at 70 foot up in the air for a couple nights was just, it, it was a blessing. I felt it within my whole body. And to have the squirrels scampering around on the branches and the ravens coming in and cocking their heads looking at me and having an um, a mountain lion prowling around the base one morning was just all gifts, just so many gifts. And um, yeah, it's a, a hard one to explain deeper than that. That's not your normal house cat. Oye, ¿cómo te sentiste cuando miraste el puma? No sé cómo describirlo, es difícil el primer, primer momento, pero es un encuentro que creo que... How did you feel when you first saw that mountain lion? I don't know how to describe it. But when I first saw it, it seems to me, I, I believe that there aren't words to describe it. You just have to live it. Something outside of my regular experience. To feel that much closer to nature, especially since we live right here. This wind is what you say. This night bird is drunk with the syllables of your name over and over, like the strokes of a portrait being carefully painted in the tall space inside of me. This bird song, this wind, the water's face, each flower remembering the smell, I know you're close by.
And tonight, it is a singing competition. Jupiter, the moon, and myself. These are the friends I've been looking for. For I have lived on the lip of insanity, wanting to know reasons. Knocking on a door, it opens. I guess I've been knocking from the inside. Four quatrains of Mevlana Jalaluddin Rumi. From the 13th century, Afghanistan and Turkey. It goes back till when, till when I was about seven and a half, eight years old. And um, we, I grew up very poor. My mother was alone with three children. I have two older brothers a year apart um, from me, and I'm the youngest. Um, we grew up homeless some of the time. We grew up as fa migrant farm workers. We lived in one room in old hotels. We sometimes just lived in the woods, but we always stayed together. Um, I rarely went to school when I was growing up. Um, um, we moved across country, back and forth, from New York to California, at least 10 times by the time I was 11. We were living in Oakland, and I was about seven and a half years old, and the Catholic Welfare Services sent us to summer camp. It turned out the summer camp was the Christian camp by Bohemian Grove in St. Sonoma County. Um, they separated the girls from the boys, and so my, I wasn't with my brothers, and that was very hard for me. And uh, I was with a bunch of girls in the woods, in these little cabins, uh, and they had regular schedules. They had, you know, 45 minutes for art, uh, 45 minutes for this, 45 minutes for that. It was, you know, because I hadn't gone to school, I wasn't used to schedules at all, and I wasn't used to being around a bunch of kids. I was really freaked out. After a couple of days, they, we had a break, uh, a free time after lunch. It was like 20 minutes of free time before we had to go do something else. <laughs> and I, I just couldn't stand it there. I had a, such a hard time dealing with everything. I decided I knew the way, I knew how I could get back home. If I just walked south and kept the ocean at my right, I would eventually end up in Oakland. So I think the third day I was there, um, at the, after lunch when we had that break, I said, okay, I'm going home. So I started walking south and keeping the ocean on my, on my right side. And I walked and I walked and I walked and I started feeling really strange and I didn't know what it was and I was around these big old trees. I, I had the strangest feeling. Um, so I, lean, I sat down and I leaned my back against one of the big old redwoods and I looked around and I breathed and I realized what it was I was feeling. What I was feeling was safe. I felt safe for the first time in my life, really. I felt safe. And so I decided to stay at that camp. And every day, 
I would, after lunch, I would take off and I would be gone and I would spend my time with the Redwoods. And I've been in love with them ever since. Ich bin a Gast. I am a guest. I am a guest who called, but for a moment and is soon gone. My eyes embrace with love all things and everyone. And if the world be just or otherwise, people good or bad, I see and hear, and a smile rests on my lips. I am a guest. Ich bin a Gast. My grandmother, Sally Swimmer, was born in 1912, died in 2011 at age 99, grew up speaking Yiddish. She could have read this to us. She was born in New York, lived only in New York and Los Angeles, came up and she had to break herself from the city just like we need to be housebroken. We were on Big River on the beach one day in the late 90s. She was in her 80s and she looked at me and she said, I have to go to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom. What do I do? I don't think I can walk all the way up to the bathroom. And I said, just sit here and dig a little hole. And she blushed. And she sat there and dug a little hole in the sand and relieved herself and smiled. And that evening she told me that it was one of the most adventurous things she'd ever done in her life. She said it made her so happy. She had had to break herself from the thrall of the city, but it made her so happy. Ich bin August. In the early 90s, I had a friend visit from San Francisco, and he had only lived in Chicago and San Francisco up till that point. And he came and looked off the, the porch of my trailer and said, wow, the great outdoors. And in the morning, I asked him how he'd slept, and he said he couldn't sleep. It was too quiet, that the silence of the forest in Casper had kept him awake all night. The silence of the forest reminds me of the beingness of my own body, and so, which is not silent. And one can hear certain things, um, perhaps in the distance or whatever. It's not completely silent in Casper, because you can hear Highway 1 sometimes and whatnot. But it's, it's just, how shall I say? To me, it's when I was out there, it's the silence of, of the light, especially at night. And then the other remarkable thing is with the coming of the dawn is the birds. You know, there's this slow appearance of this tapestry of birdsong, which is always, you know, quite moving. And so um, forest is never completely silent in that respect for me.
walking through the woods recently and I was going through an area that had been partially logged maybe 60 or 70 years ago and <laughs> but there's still a lot of big old trees like giant madrones, tan oaks, douglas firs, uh, the occasional canyon oak and I was going along and then all of a sudden right in front of me was a huge agaricon mushroom growing out of the side of a Douglas fir log. And I was surprised because the, the area seemed like it had been fairly impacted when it was originally logged. But it's been recovering to the point where it can support uh, these mushrooms that really need like a specific type of environment to live in. They need large old trees and they also need moisture, humidity, and shade, and um, this kind of goes to show how, you know, the old growth trees, the old growth forest is really important, but places that are recovering are just as important. Places that can attain old growth like characteristics within the next few decades are just as important to protect. I would like to thank you for spending the last hour with me on Disquiet on the Western Front, Voices of the Forest Resistance, Conversations to Cool a Planet on Fire. A very different edition tonight, and I've really enjoyed putting it together for you. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I'd like to thank a whole bunch of people, and animals, and a couple creeks as well. I'd like to thank Jenny Rorby and Amy and Silver Fox for playing some wonderful steel guitar, Liz Stover and Kent Grady and Chipmunk and Scott Wells and Bill Heil and Anna Marie Stenberg and Rumi, and 
A certain northern spotted owl recorded up in Oregon. Red-legged frogs and Pacific chorus frogs recorded up and down the Pacific Northwest. Ravens recorded overhead. Mitchell Creek recorded from many different angles. So happy to thank the raindrops that were falling on my head the other day. And Sea Slug and Madrone and Roberto and El Puma. The mountain lion recorded in Santa Cruz County. Big old kitty kitty. I'd like to also thank Alicia Littletree for this next and last song that we're going to go out with. But before that, I'd like to mention a couple things. And one is, is that the views and opinions expressed by myself and all of the people and animals and creeks on this show are only the opinions of those peoples and animals and creeks and not of the staff or management of KZYX. And if you would like to recommend this show to others, and I hope you do, go to either kzoax.org in the archives, search for Disquiet on the Western Front. You can also go to my website, disquietmedia.blue, and you can listen to this and my other shows there. Please send a non-denominational prayer for peace out for the Ukraine and everywhere else that's taken such a beating, no matter what color the people who are. And if you feel like it, write a postcard to Florida and say gay. Say gay, say gay, 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 gay. Do not say anything but gay. Because in Florida, you can still say gay no matter what the legislator says. Just so you know, that's not exactly a call to action. It's just an encouragement. Write a postcard, if you'd like, to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. His address is State of Florida, the capital, 400 South Monroe Street, Tallahassee, Florida, T-A-L-L-A-H-A-S-S-E-E, Florida, F-L-32399-0001. And I encourage you, you know, just to make yourself very happy, write him a postcard that says, Say gay, say gay, say gay, in rainbow colors. Actually, if if you're feeling inclined, you can also mention that you're going to spend your queer love and money in another state. A state where you don't have to worry about saying gay, or queer, or other fun things. Here's Alicia Littletree with Like a Butterfly. Thanks for being with me all night.
break you down Though you know they try An assassin's bomb Left you Wounded and terrified And the earth wept summer While you survive For ten days Unconscious But alive Then came a vision Of your daughter
at one time your touches were clothing enough. Within these trees, now I am different. Now I wear the woods. I lower a headdress of bent sticks and secure it. I strap to myself a breastplate of cloth, rope, bark. I fit the broad leaves of sugar maples to my hands like mittens of blood. Now when I say, come, and you enter the woods, hunting some creature like the woman I was, I surround you. Light bleeds from the clearing, roots rise, fluted molds burn blue in the falling light, and you also know the loneliness that you taught me with your body. When you lay down in the grave of a slashed tree, I cover you as I always did. This time, you do not leave. Luis Erdrich, The Woods. Bill Bryson. Distance changes you utterly when you take the world on foot. A mile becomes a long way. Two miles, literally considerable. Ten miles whopping. Fifty miles at the very limits of conception. The world, you realize, is enormous in a way that only you and a small community of fellow hikers know. Planetary scale is your little secret. Life takes on a neat simplicity, too. Time ceases to have any meaning. When it is dark, you go to bed, and when it is light again, you get up, and everything between is just in between. It's quite wonderful, really. There is no point in hurrying because you're not actually going anywhere. However far or long you plot, you are always in the same place, in the woods. You are always in the same place, in the woods. You are always in the same place, in the woods. Sudectus regilla. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.